0: Welcome into the J.P. Shadrick podcast. Today's Thursday, February 8th. Welcome to the off season. We'll plan a weekly podcast in the off season, and we'll try for a special guest each week. It could be a national writer, it could be somebody from the front office. You never know, so tune in every week. It's a relatively quiet week around the Jags. The coaches are back in the building this week after some time off. The Scouts are in town this week as well, getting ready for the NFL Scouting Combine coming up in a few weeks in Indianapolis. Coming up today, a visit with CBS Sports senior writer Will Brinson, including Super Bowl talk and with a little over a month until the league year begins... A little Jags quarterback talk as well. It is the talk of the town, of course, and certainly the talk of the league as well. Do the Jags stand pat or get in the bidding for Kirk Cousins? We'll break it all down early with Will Brinson coming up. Will lives in Raleigh, North Carolina. After writing for Fan House and a number of other websites in his earlier days, he joined CBS Sports in 2010 to cover the NFL. What's up, Will? How are you, man? Well, good cool on, JP. Doing well. I,
1: uh, I, got my, um, I got my fill of... Uh... Minnesota and Pete Prisco and now I'm uh, now I'm back at home enjoying my family after uh, a short Super Bowl trip for me but a, but a fun one. I thought that was one of the one of the best Super Bowls I've ever seen and I think I've said that three out of the last 4 years.
0: You finally got your fill of Pete Prisco, huh?
1: Yeah, it took like 24 to 48 minutes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we know all about Pete here in Jacksonville, of course. You know, it, it's um it's it's a weird feeling right now. I'm sitting here watching as we record this, watching the, the Eagles victory parade, the celebration in, in Philadelphia today, and how close it could have been for the Jaguars to be doing the same thing today here in Jacksonville.
1: Yeah. You know, I picked I had picked going into the championship weekend, I had picked the Jaguars to beat the Patriots and I you know, usually when you pick something that you know, surprising in terms of an outcome, if it's not right, you get a lot of blowback. But I think it was so clear that the Jaguars could have won and maybe should have won that you know you, don't, you didn't really hear anything. Jacksonville had that game. I think that very different style of play in terms of how they had the Patriots on the ropes between the Jaguars and the Eagles. But I think that ultimately the different styles of coaching is what led to and. and by that, I just mean the level of aggressiveness in the second half is what led to the Eagles being able to beat the Patriots. You know, the Patriots are the Patriots didn't have a great defense this year, mm-hmm. but they're still really hard to beat because they have Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. And it took uh, Doug Peterson running a uh, halfback pass to his to his back, uh, you know, from his or a, a halfback toss to his backup tight end, and then threw it to his backup quarterback. Uh, for a touchdown on a fourth and one from the goal, and a, another gutsy fourth and one call uh, in in their own territory with five forty six left for for the Eagles to win, and they, they they won by eight. But I don't think anybody would tell you wasn't didn't feel like it was closer than that, or that built that that Tom Brady when he had two twenty one on the clock wasn't going to win. You know, so I, I think it's one of those where they are just so good as a tandem in terms of execution that you really have to be perfect to beat them. And I think the Jaguars were probably eighty-five to ninety percent perfect, and, and just didn't, just couldn't quite get over that hump to beat
0: them. Couldn't finish it. There was a point at, at, on every side of the football in that game where the Jags could have made an extra play and um, yep. gotten over the top. They just couldn't do it. I guess you could argue, Will, that I mean, the Jags probably wouldn't have gotten that far if it wasn't for the coaching of Marone and and Nate Hackett's offense and Todd Wash on defense doing his thing. I mean, it's a group that that came together for the first time this season. And their mentality, how they went about it with this offense, knowing there were some limitations with this offense, uh, got them to where they were. I guess you could argue that side too. Yeah, yeah, and
1: to, I mean to be clear, and I guess that wasn't fair. I, it, it was more of a praise of Doug Peterson than a criticism of of what the the Jaguars did. I, I do, you know, I think that they were probably a little conservative in the second half against the Patriots, yeah. um, in terms of running and everything. But look, you know, you have a you have a team that's predicated on, you know, covering up certain things on your on the offensive side of the ball, running the ball effectively, and playing great defense. So I, I think they approach it in that way in the second half. And yeah, I mean, I, uh, Doug Brown got two votes for coach of the year. I think. Uh, let's see, Sean McVay had. Twenty-five, eleven for Mike Zimmer, two for Marone, one for Doug Peterson, one for Bill, Bill Belichick. I think that's in the range. I mean, you, you could have given the award to Doug Marone for Coach of the Year, and I would have been fine with that. I think he did a tremendous job. You know, the Jaguars had their best season and in, in, uh you know over a decade, and they were fantastic on you know on multiple fronts. And and so yeah, from that perspective, yes, A plus job coaching all year long. Um, I, I think that it is almost anti-instinctual to, to hit the gas the way that Doug Peterson does for most NFL coaches, and and I th- and to be honest, I think it sort of throws Bill Belichick for a loop. Like the aggressiveness, he's not used to fighting, he's not used to battling against that sort of aggressiveness, and I think it sort of I think it sort of um, you know kind of kicked the Patriots you in a, in a weird direction.
0: Will Brinson with us from CBS Sports, senior writer for CBS Sports dot com. I'm going to put you on the spot here, Will. Blake Bortles or someone else next season?
1: Well, I think it depends on who that someone else is. I, I, don't, I don't believe the Jaguars will have an opportunity to draft a quarterback who can play for them right away. I mean, the four guys, the three guys, I don't think you want to start Lamar Jackson, and I don't think you want to start Josh Allen day one. Baker Mayfield, Josh Rosen, and Sam Darnold potentially could be starters um, out of the gate but I don't think those guys will be there when the Jags are drafting. So that, that limits us to free agency. And since I firmly believe that Jimmy Garoppolo and Drew Brees will be signed by their current teams, Brees has made it clear he doesn't want to go anywhere, Garoppolo is going to get the franchise tag, uh, that leaves Kirk Cousins. Now, Blake Bortles did a great job in 2017, played, played really well in the playoffs, I thought. The Bills game, not fantastic, but, but really good those last two playoff games against tough opponents. And uh, I, I would still take Kirk Cousins over him as an upgrade if the price was right. I don't think Jacksonville can go out there and spend $150 million over five years on Kirk Cousins, not with the defensive personnel they have and the, the eventual need that they're going to have to, to spend on, 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 uh, on, on those players in terms of extensions and et cetera, et cetera. So I, I think if you could go out there and convince Kirk Cousins to take a lot less money and try to make a run for a title, then it would be worth doing, but otherwise I have a hard time looking at this free agent class and, spy, and definitely determining that somebody is an upgrade over Blake Bortles, at least in terms of his knowledge of the offense, the, what we've seen from him so far you know, in his career, and then what I, what I think the Jaguars still think is a little bit of upside.
0: Yeah, that's the trick, right? The guys won two playoff games. How many has Kirk Cousins won? in his career yeah he's always played one i believe right right, right. so i mean the, the guy got you there he's still he's a young guy left college early that's the argument right he's got a fifth year it's 19 million you're going to pay 25 or more per year for five years for a guy that you didn't bring up uh who does have some numbers so that's the other argument is that you maybe if he plays well blake that is uh, then you extend him midway through the season or after the season yeah, I think it's, this is going to be interesting to watch too
1: because you have to be a little bit careful if you're Jacksonville. Um, you don't want to go out and commit to him now too far along. You know, you don't want to commit too far down the road um, with too much money, but you also don't want to get in a position where he plays well and you get you get stuck in a Joe Flacco spot. I, I would almost you know give him a, a smaller, decently guaranteed extension to, to move it into multiple years than i would um risk the possibility of him playing really well and me having to to dole out a massive contract after after 2018 it, it's just a tricky spot to be in and we see it with quarterbacks all the time and um yeah you know, it's better to be in than to than to be desperately hoping to overpay a, a second tier free agent
0: well brinson with well, us uh, obviously the defense was a major part of this football team this year um overall in the league i mean we we're, we're they were the best kind of overall feeling defense. I think is that fair to say?
1: Yes, I think even if it wasn't, I think I think when you factor in the run defense, technically they probably weren't the um, best statistical defense. That's but right. I, I think if I think in and it's between Jacksonville and Minnesota, if you're playing the game of you've got one, you, you're playing the you know you've got one game to pick you pick one defense against, you know, unknown opponent for all the all the marbles, I think you're probably taking Jacksonville just because of the playmakers and, and their ability up front to really get after you. You know, like we saw Minnesota, I think Minnesota's got a great defense, but we saw them get lit up by Philly, and we saw them struggle in the second half against New Orleans. And I, I just don't think we, you know, granted Jacksonville uh, got scored on by the Patriots, but I, I just feel like if I had one game from that season – uh, give me the Jaguars.
0: Will Brinson with the CBS Sports. Coming up, uh, we'll be in Indianapolis for the NFL Scouting Combine. I know you're there each and every year. I guess you'll be there again, right, Will? Uh, unless...
1: Yeah, I, my, my presumption is that I will be. I, I never like to go – I never like to look more than a week ahead in life. But, 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 but yes, I, I'm planning on being there.
0: Yeah, and, and so the it's a weird spot for the Jags to be in. They're drafting 29th. They've had 10 straight years of a top 10 draft pick. I'm not really sure where to start here. Yeah, I, yeah I'm with
1: you. This is actually – I think, though, given that they have Bortles on the roster – that they're probably planning on going with him in 2018. It's not a bad spot. It's not a bad draft to have that 29th pick. You know, I, I haven't dug into, and I don't think anybody's really you know gotten super deep on these on these prospects. This you know, scouts aside, but um, I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a fairly deep class. I think there's a lot of uh, def- you know defensive talent. And you know you start seeing early mock drafts, and you're looking at a guy like Roquan Smith is going to go in the teens. Give, give me a break! Like that—that that, that guy to me is a is a, uh, is a is a high level is a high level player. And so I think there's also some offensive linemen out there that could make this an interesting draft, for, an interesting draft for Jacksonville. Um, but not the worst draft in the world, I don't think. To be picking uh, to be picking that low.
0: Let's hope it's a trend that continues over the next few years, at least. That that would be nice to pick. It should be,
1: you know, it should, it should be. It's a tough division, but they've got um, you know, they've got that defense in place, yep. and you got Fernet, and I think Fournette will get better next year. And when you have a running game and a defense, you know, you're not nothing's guaranteed in the NFL, of course. But when you have a running game and a defense, you can uh, you can oftentimes uh, make sure that you have a consistently high floor when it comes to winning football games.
0: Well, good to talk to you. We'll see you in Indianapolis here in a few weeks, man. Sounds good, JP. Take it easy, buddy. Our coverage of the NFL Scouting Combine starts Wednesday, February 28th from Indianapolis, including live interviews from Radio Row, Wednesday press conferences from the Jaguars Brass, Jaguars Thursday Radio, and behind-the-scenes access at Lucas Oil Stadium. Coming up Thursday night, Jaguars Thursday Radio on 1010XL starting at 6 o'clock, goes from 6 until 7 each Thursday throughout the off season. Finally, the spring concert schedule at Daly's Place Amphitheater is starting to fill in. First up, it's Saturday, March 10th. Why Clefshon and the Jacksonville Symphony Orchestra team up? Sunday, April 15th, Big Sean. Friday, April 20th, it's country artist Thomas Rhett. More shows coming up later this summer, of course. A full schedule and tickets available at Daly'sPlace.com. Our thanks to CBS Sports Senior Writer Will Brinson and Jags Manager of Radio Joe Fortunato. We'll catch you next week on the J.P. Shadrick Podcast.